Hello and welcome to Ideas Don't Bleed, a comics podcast presented by Ashcan Press and featuring Matthew Rosenberg and the Supple Boys, Ethan S. Parker and Griffin Sheridan. This is part two of our discussion with Christopher Cantwell. We hope you enjoy. You go from Doctor Doom and then you're doing some Iron Man and, and you do a little a little detour with Captain America, but then you're doing Submariner and, and, and Thanos. And there's a there's sort of a theme here, which is dicks you read a lot of dicks um is is that i'm a sucker for writing like just fucking shitty dudes like i i really love writing (laughs) shitty dudes it's my favorite thing to write yeah Uh, so was this intentional were you just like who sucks in the marvel universe can i get them well i mean i think that it, it was i feel like i just again like what happened after doom was was tom came to me and said hey uh, do you want to pitch an Iron Man? And he said, and that would, that was different. It was like, we're going to go to you first and see what you yeah. want to do. And if we like it, we'll do that. Um, and they did. Um, and again, it was a ton of research, but sure. people, 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 I feel like I get this criticism more than anything else, which is like, why do they put Cantwell on Iron Man when he hates Tony Stark so much? And it's not true because I, I love him. Like I, yeah. I feel like I identify with him and Victor and yeah. and some of these characters because they are like on they're assholes in yeah. a certain way like they, they, there's there's different types of assholes uh, and I, I think that like but they I feel like they would own up to the fact that they are you know yeah. what I mean like and I think that that's what makes them interesting and like the the kind of raging egomaniacal side of of someone is is fascinating to me I mean Namor is the same way like sure. I think Reed Richards gets away with a lot more than he should you know what i mean i think that that was it was fun to put him in the doom run and 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 have him be like the best passive aggressive character (laughs) i could potentially write when he talks but just when he talks to victor and like it's very different from steve rogers right because steve is like he's a paragon yeah and and by extension so is sam and bucky somewhat he's got some obviously some some conflicted some issues issues, some trauma uh but like you know they're all they, he kind of supersedes that right like steve mm-hmm. is 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 like marvel's superman in a way yeah, yeah. So it's a different tone but like i i really thrive when it comes to i'm right you're wrong and i'm gonna prove it and then i either am right see it was worth it yeah sorry after the fact or I'm I'm sorry that was really wrong and I screwed up and I only realized later and it's too late and I've really done irreparable damage to the earth the galaxy our relationship uh, myself um you know I've re- I've repeated the cycle of trauma that I live in whatever it is I just think that that's it's great stuff I mean and I I think you know the difference between Tony and Victor for me is just it's just a ratio of awareness sure um about who they are yeah. Um, like, I think like it's like if they both were seeing therapists, I feel like Tony would be much farther along in his treatment than Victor is. <laughs> I, right. But I, it's, yeah, <laughs> like it's, they're very similar. 
I, I do, I do love because I feel like um, I've given in in my personal relationships the "I'm sorry, you were right." I've done irreparable damage to the universe or Earth speech a lot. Like I, yeah, that's that's my life. I've done. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was very destructive, and yeah, yeah. And now, uh, you know, now the now the universe is going to implode. I I end up on that on that train a lot. But I I do think you know it, it's funny from from my own work. Like there are certain characters I write, and like even on a subconscious level, I'll like find myself putting like my own jokes that I make or like my own mannerisms on characters that are like shitty characters and i'm like huh it's it it feels like like a kind of therapy that i didn't know i was entering that i'm like right right and people you know people will criticize that too and be like well not every character has to be you but it's like well and i understand that yeah but at a certain point it's like there are certain ones that i just feel in a special uh, like a special fondness for and I think that just sometimes manifests in the writing of like, I really want to see them undergo some like intense dramatic conflict. I want to see them suffer. Like I want to see, and it's mm-hmm. not, it's not out of spite, you know, and obviously you don't want to, ha- no one wants to read a superhero comic or even a supervillain comic where the person just loses all the time. Sure. But like the two steps forward, one step back, you know, idea is, I think it's, it's potent and it's strong. I mean, like, I remember even the actors who I loved working with on Hog and Catch Fire, I really did. Like, you know, they would come up to me and be like, Joe really needs a win, like, or Donna really needs a win, or, yeah. you know. Um, but the truth of the matter is, is in the in the big picture, like, we would get there, but, like, at a certain point, they had to, they had to kind of stew and burn a little bit. Yeah. The person who loved the shit getting kicked out of their character was Scoop McNary who played Gordon. Like he was, I loved it. Anything yeah. like the worst things could happen to Gordon. I mean, shit, the worst thing did happen to Gordon. And like, but I mean, you know, that, that, that he really responded to that and he loved playing that. And I, I mean, I think we loved writing that. And I, yeah. I think that, um, and my, my wife will tell you that like Gordon was the, av- my avatar in the show. If there was mm-hmm. one, um, then I killed it. You know, like, it's like, not to spoil all catch fire, but it's like, sure. my wife will give me a hard time being like, you killed your own avatar in the show. Like, yes, I did. Uh, and there, there's something to that. But like, again, it was, I loved all of them, but I loved writing yeah. um, Gordon. And and I think Scoot got it. I think Scoot, Scoot and I saw eye to eye on that. And mm-hmm. it's the same thing when I, you, you dig into somebody like even Victor or, or I mean, even shit like Norman Osborn. That was one where I approached it and I was like, this guy's real the difference between him and Victor is he's really sick and like yeah. really warped. Yeah. And kind of uh grotesque. Yeah. In a way. He's, he's day one therapy if you're doing these yeah, guys he's like, he's like the he's like a I mean, there's less of it, there's real there's no real code in place there in terms of how he operates. It's just yeah, yeah. hurting. But the 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 ledge that he was clinging on to at the start of that book was like he no, he now, he no longer, he was, his sins were taken away. Yeah. And so the a whole thing became, well, if someone's sins were taken away and then, then they're still going to remember they did those things, but for the first time in their life, they're going to feel bad about it. Yeah. So then he became a guy that was just motivated by guilt, which is something I also am, you know? So <laughs> it's like, you can find those things and then just write that engine, you know? Yeah. I, that uh, was something, if, if you don't mind, that was something I wanted to ask about was the Norman Osborn thing, because I, I, that, 
premise and the fact that that's still going on that we have a Norman Osborn who's trying to do good is uh, is so strange and so interesting um and I I wanted to ask you what what, is it difficult getting fully in touch with that character um when there is sort of a top level difference uh is it difficult feeling like you get to the core of him when like a big part of of him is fundamentally changed or do you feel like you can get in touch with who he used to be, but he's just like, he's rotated 90 degrees. Like, like, like how, how do you feel like you get in touch with that character? Yeah, there was so many weird challenges with that one. And, and it was because they had did, done this thing. And obviously everybody, I mean, in TV, and this is no, no offense to Marvel because everyone does this in comics, especially mm-hmm. at the big two, right? Which is like, there's going to be a big shift. And then we're going right. to, at some point, the status quo will be reachieved. Right. And that's the whole, that's the honor among thieves between the people who make the comics and the people who read the comics. <laughs> that's where we're headed. But sometimes the people who read the comics will go like, you know, what? You know, like, there's no way that this is going to stick, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, in TV, we would call that like, it's schmuck bait, right? Where it's like, it's right. schmuck bait. This is obviously, it's like, it, like, is Joe McMillan really going to leave the show? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, sure, like, of course yeah. not. But like, you can kind of lean into that and go like, what if he did, you know, like you can. And I think the only way to write that story because, and to make it not schmuck bait is to just do it as sincere as possible. So for me, it was like, for one, it was, it was Norman, Norman felt farther away because um, he, like I said, he just is so sadistic. Right. That was different than Vic. Obviously Victor's done some sadistic things, but to certain people, like it feels like Norman will do it to anybody. (laughs) And like, I think that, I, but that there was this huge shift. So there was that too. So it's like, well, I'm not writing that guy. I'm writing this right. new guy who's like yeah. cleansed, right? And that was yeah. kind of something I had to wrap my head around. But it was really like, I came away with, but that's so much of who he is. Because mm-hmm. if like Sin Eater came and like shot me with a shotgun, mm-hmm. I probably, you know, like my <laughs> wife might notice a difference, but like you guys might not be like, Campbell seemed the same after the Sin Eater shot him. You know what I mean? You wouldn't like, have to put on a whole different costume. Yeah, he seems yeah. he seems kind of the same. You know what I mean? But like Norman would be very different. And it's like it's most of his identity is sins. So it was kind mm-hmm. of like he was kind of this husk. It was what I was mm-hmm. I was trying to write him, right? Internally. Where he was like, I don't know who the fuck I am. Right. And it was that. And then also like I did all those horrible things and I finally feel that they're horrible. So it was like just a, a motivation of too little, too late guilt, right? And mm-hmm. so that was kind of the engine for where I could access who he was before, but kind of channel it into how do I move forward with this? And then from a sincere place, because he was like, literally like, I want to I wanna do good now because I did so much bad and, and it scares the shit out of me and I'll never recover from who I was. Like, there's no, right. there's no, I think it's said to him several times, like, you're not gonna, you're not gonna change who you were or what you did. Yeah, like, right. There's no way. Because right. um, if there's one character in Marvel to really make like stick their nose in what they've done, he's definitely an interesting choice. And like, yeah, that's that's really interesting. There was we were just watching an X Files episode. My wife and I were. It's the one with Bruce Campbell. Do you remember that one? Mm. Where he's 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 a demon, but he's trying <laughs> to have a normal baby, and he and he just keeps have like having babies with women, and then they have the baby. And the baby keeps coming out like a demon and he's like, oh, shoot. And then he, he takes the baby in a nightmare dream and buries them. Like, and he just keeps doing this. There's a twist later, but like he, at one point, like he, he saves his wife's life when she, like he tries to kill her and then feels bad about it and he saves her life and gives his own. And my wife's like, see, he kind of redeemed himself. And I was like, yeah, but he did bury that baby in the backyard earlier. <laughs> 
yeah. and steal it in a nightmare vision. So it's like, you don't really come back from that. You just can't, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Norman's like that. Bearing yeah. a baby is a rough one to walk back for sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, um, this. Yes. <laughs> I, I think it's so interesting though, like the, and I have no experience other than, than comics. Um, but you talk about the schmuck bait thing and the, the way the audience reacts. And I, I had a lot of trouble early on, like figuring out how to navigate selling an idea that I knew the audience, if they thought about it analytically would know is not actually going to last, is not going to stand right. how I, right. how to kill people. And I remember I was just like, I don't, I don't know how to do this with sincerity. I don't know how to write this and make it feel you know, feel like it works. And I remember reading uh, randomly an interview with John Hickman and uh, it, it seems so obvious what he said, but I just hadn't thought about it, which was he, he did an interview about killing the fantastic, killing the human torch. Mm -hmm. And the first question in the interview was like, do you, you know, uh, we all know that human torch isn't going to stay dead. He's the human torch. And like, John just like very dismissively, but deftly, because he's very smart man, uh, was like, yeah, but the characters in the book don't know that. And mm. that was it. And that was his answer. Right. And I was like, yeah. oh, oh, I'm writing. Uh, I'm not writing to an audience. I'm writing mm -hmm. to these characters and, and, and I'm writing for myself. And uh, I've never thought about the idea. It, it feels like a uniquely comics problem to me to have this like, but but you're talking about it on on your show and other places, and I I, I just never really thought. I don't, I guess I don't have a question per se. I just never really thought about that. I feel you like know, with it, comics, it's like yeah. because the comics are always trying to get you excited about the next thing. Like comics are always trying to get you like to invest in the future of, of things, mm -hmm. and so and so, and it like I feel like it's like sort of like uh, engineered readers to not be able to invest in just what's happening right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's very strange. You can get them to stop. And I think that's, I think that's the, that's true with any of this stuff, right? Like TV and if, if they stop thinking about or feeling what's happening right now and they start thinking about what's to come, then you, you might've lost them for some other reason on the page, right. right yeah. Or on the screen. And I think that like, but I mean, I, I worked with a writer named John Lisko, who is the showrunner of Halt the first two seasons. He ran it with us the second season because we were nobody when we first started. But he talks about this as icebox question, which is like you finish the episode and you go, man, that was great. And then you go get something out of the icebox. And as you open it up, you go, well, wait, isn't he just going to like, nah, isn't he going to be the Green Goblin again? Like, <laughs> and it's, but if you say it into your icebox, like afterwards, it's like, that's maybe the best. You might have to live with a few icebox questions. Uh -huh. But like, it's like, like, as you were talking about, it made me think of, of like Anakin Skywalker, right? Like a uh, divorced from the prequels or whatever people think of that. But like, even in theory, before those came out, the story of that guy, as you imagined it, was fascinating, even though yeah. you know where he ends up, where it's like, how did that happen? You know, and I think that that the how yeah. of like how you get from point A to point B, if it's interesting and engaging <laughs> enough on a dramatic level, then, sure. you know, you're, you're along for the ride where it's like, yeah, I mean, like, is Norman going to stay the gold goblin for the rest of Marvel Comics history? <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't, 
my answer to that would be like, wouldn't that be bold? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that would be crazy. But like, again, I think that it's it's how you get there. You know, yeah, yeah. that that's what makes it cool. There's a there's an old uh, there's an old anecdote I love about um, Frank Sinatra going to going to see. I think I think he was going to see Hamlet or, or Macbeth. And he took uh, like a buddy of his, like one of his good friends who owned a bar that they all hung out at, who was just a real like working class, stiff kind of guy, was not was not a theater guy. And uh, and there was press there and at intermission, they came outside and people were asking Frank questions and a reporter asked Frank's buddy, uh, like, what do you think of the play? And he's like, I love it. And then he said, I'm the only guy going back into the room who doesn't know what's going to happen. <laughs> and like, I just love that idea because it's like, one, it's just a beautiful way to look at things. But also like, it, it answers a question that, that we all have to contend with, which is like, what actually happens? What actually is going to happen is not the most important thing. It's the execution of how that happens that we that we care about. And, you know, you can fill a theater with people who've seen Macbeth before and they're still going to enjoy it if it's a good production. And yeah. uh, and I think comics has such a weird relationship with all those things. But uh, I mean, Steve, like the the opposite is like Stephen Sondheim said, like the only element we have or the only tool we have at our disposal as writers is is, is surprise, right? Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, but like you know, I, I and that is a good like a guideline sometimes to follow, which is, sure. but it can be surprising in how sure. something returns to where you know it's going or, or how someone yet again ends up the victim of their own bad choices or whatever. Like, Oops. Yeah. You know, like that, how we get there, I think is that's up to whoever. And there's going to be, I mean, like whenever, whenever, or if ever he goes back to being green, that's like, that's, I mean, I would love to, I would love to figure out a way to do that. I mean, it's not up to me at this point, but like, you could do it in the most unexpected way possible. There's going to be some fun to have, you know? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, getting back to your, your career, your, your oeuvre of work. I'm the thing I was really fascinated by. And I uh, obviously know this, I have all the books on my shelf, but I hadn't really thought about it. Is that like, you've been writing comics for five, six years mm -hmm. and you've done a lot of stuff at Marvel and, and, and some stuff at Dark Horse and, and Boom and other places. But the thing that kind of shocked me was how much creator-owned stuff you've put out. Um, yeah. You've put out a book every year, at least, a series. Yeah, I mean, I guess you so. did She Could Fly Everything, Blue Flame, regarding uh, Matter of Oswald's yeah. Body, Briar. Five, yeah. books, five books in yeah. five years. Uh, it, it's an intimidating amount of creator-owned projects to launch uh, with the workload that you have um judging by how surprised you seemed by my framing it this way i'm going to say that this was not a a well thought out plan to launch a new creator on book every year but just that's the pace you work at i guess so yeah i think i would yeah i i think it was again it would be i have an idea for something and I've gotten better about this. I think as I've, I think I, there was probably like an initial excitement to be working in comics and and uh, people being responsive to something I thought of, which, like I said, like the follow up to Halt didn't move forward. And there was, you know, mm -hmm. I did I did an adaptation of She Could Fly for AMC that also didn't move forward, and and, um, you know when you have an idea and you're like, I could actually see this to fruition comics becomes very alluring. Sure, um, sure. I think I've been better about uh, not jumping on every single thing, but um, 
you know, an, an editor would write me and it would be like, oh, well, and I, I think that when I was doing, when I was doing Oswald, I was also writing, I was also writing Iron Man, um, Blue Flame. Mm-hmm. Like there was just a, it was like, a, there was, I was writing too much, yeah. I think, in addition to my, my other job. And, and it, it got a little, um, I could feel the grind of that. So I've just tried to be careful with it. Um, and I think that, but I, again, those are all stories. I'm really happy that they got made. Like, I mean, I, that I, I get to, I'm going to go to Comic-Con and be on a panel about Oswald and, and do a signing for blue flame just to continue to try to get those, their fully realized stories out there, you know, and be like, look, here's a book. You can read it. Um, then that's really great because the other option is, and again, not to sound jaded about it, but like, I'm going to write this as a screenplay. And obviously I've done that for years, but then it just sits there, yeah. you know what I mean? And it's on your hard drive and you did it, or you pitch something to someone and they kind of get in there with you under the hood and don't understand it the same way, maybe. And it kind of mm-hmm. just dies on the vine and never really goes anywhere at all. And you don't even have a document. Um, Obviously, the best case scenario of that is you get to do Halt and Catch Fire for four seasons, but that's sure few and far between. Even I mean, even for me, none of the stuff we've done on spec since moved forward. So it's it's uh, it's like, well, this could be an actual thing, and I think yeah. that that's very exciting, you know. And, and you convince enough people, then you can do it. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I feel like growing up i guess my my perception would always be like well you know it's the very rare tv show that gets a second season like you 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 get your one and you you pray whereas comics seem to go on forever when i was young i'd be like like, this is net this is issue 100 yeah yeah and like you still like i still look back and it's like they'll be like dazzler if issue 56 and be like dazzler (laughs) and 56 fucking issues what was going on um and i love it and now it feels like not that the tv has reversed i don't think you know i think getting a second season on tv is still a a a winning a lottery but uh comics tend to be more compact and shorter in a lot of ways um coming off of halt and doing four seasons which i assume is you know emotionally intense and, Mm -hmm. and and a grind coming off of that uh and you're doing all these short minis was that by design? Did you want to be doing longer stuff? I mean, like you, it took a while before you went to Iron Man or were you just happy to like tell a complete story that has an end? That I, I asked, I, you know, I was, I was such a neophyte when it started. I was like, how long is Dr. Doom going to go? And Tom was like, well, it'll go two issues if no one reads it, you know? And I was like, okay, <laughs> you know, cool. Um, so I, I always felt, and this is the same way with TV and film. I always felt it was kind of just like lucky to be there. Um, and I think that, I would, I, you know, I would, I was bothering Tom the other day about, I was like, no, what if we brought doom back? You know, like I, mm-hmm. I would write that forever. Sure. Yeah. Um, I would have written, I would have stayed on Iron Man as long as they would have had me, you know, and I even kind of pitched out a longer, a longer version of that, that final arc I did for the book that would have carried it for a year or so. Um, and then it, it had to be abbreviated, but it, I got to do 25. So that felt great. And like, doom i got to do 10 and i think that's the most i've done well blue flame was 10 but that was a contained i pitched that i actually pitched that as kind of a graphic novel but then they just they wanted to do for you know various reasons as a single issues and then put it together because that's just they get to 
kind of go to the market twice. Sure. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I would have, I would have written on, I would have written on doom and, and Iron Man for as long as they would have had me, which I guess I did. They, they got rid of me after 10 and 25. So, <laughs> but I mean, those, was, are good, yeah. those are both good runs at this point. Okay, yeah. 25 these days felt like, okay, that's, you know, like that's, that's yeah. you know, and, and, um, that feels, and feels good to me, but I, I, yeah, I would have loved to keep going on those and, and, you know, halt the last season of halt, they renewed us and, and they told us on the same phone call that we were done. Right. So it was <laughs> that we were canceled and renewed in the same phone call, which it was, you know, it was the fact that we got to do four at all was crazy sure. to me. And, and I, maybe that's, you know, being raised Catholic and made to feel guilty about everything. Like that's what's talking, but like it, it was, we knew we could end it on our own terms. You know, mm-hmm. we weren't going to, we, we wrote every season finale as if it was maybe the end too. Sure. And um, the fourth season was a gift because we could really just end it the way we wanted. And, and so far, like Marvel, even Marvel has, they've given me enough lead time to be like, well, okay, I think I can park it. Yeah. You know, um, and nothing's been like cut off at the heels, but they, I mean, like, look, the runs are getting shorter and shorter where it's like a mini was five and now it's four and yeah. keeps getting in the page counts change. And it's, it's, it's weird. Yeah. It's a weird time. Yeah. The, uh, but you have Briar now and Briar was a mini and is now not a mini. <laughs> well, I pitched, <laughs> I pitched Briar. It took me like three years to get that one going. Hmm. Um, that was the first thing I pitched to boom when Eric Harburn wrote me and was like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I have this. And I'd already been working on that. Mm-hmm. And then he, he was like, well, I don't know. Like it was just kind of a bigger fantasy swing. And so sure. he said, what else? And I actually kind of came up with Oswald as like a made to order thing for them. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, what if we did this? And, and uh, that one was contained, but like, uh, Briar itself is kind of contained and I, I was always aiming to get more out of it. That was the first one I wrote where they said, well, we'll do four and see how it does. And I, I was like, well, I'm just going to take it to four and, and then hopefully get to tell the rest of the story. Cause the four is not an end. I think if you read four, you go, sure. Oh, okay. It's well, what else happened? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, we were lucky enough that it, that we got to do the full, but again, it's when you say an ongoing, that means like, 12 yeah you know or or less or maybe a couple more if you're incredibly lucky but this year i would not say that there's going to be a lot of luck for a lot of books like that so it depends you know yeah when when we launched uh what's the first place at image they like up until the day the solicitation went live they were like is it a miniseries is it ongoing and i was like it i'm not gonna say it's an ongoing if case no one fucking buys it i don't want to like have the humiliation of being like yeah we've got three years planned on this but we're only going four months and they the image was like you just have to pick a lane like just say one and i was like well then we're gonna say it's a miniseries and that'll hurt sales because ongoing sell better and i was like we're not gonna say anything and we refused to say and then our numbers came in and we were like, it's an ongoing book. And everyone was like, yeah. oh, why didn't you say that before? And I was like, because we fucking didn't know if we were going to be able to eat dinner. Like, yeah, we, like, you know, Tyler draws the book. He also has a has to pay rent. So, like, how ongoing is it going to be if he takes a job at a supermarket? Like, um, 
And so it was, it, yeah, it, it's always a, a treacherous thing and it's, it's scary to commit, but I was, I, I really love Briar and I thought, you know, Thanks. it's a, it's a gorgeous book and it's, it's super interesting to me. And, and like, I, I feel like a lot of people like come to comics and do fantasy and they come to it all from a very, and I'm not trying to be dismissive of anyone, but like they come at fantasy in a way that that doesn't really speak to me and what I love about fantasy. Mm-hmm. And Briar feels like this sort of darker, more topical version of that. Like it feels mm-hmm. like much more like something that 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 speaks to me as an adult uh, fan of fantasy. And so I was very happy to see it coming back. Yeah, and it, I'm I'm happy that it, it we get to keep going and it and you know there will be more story of it. I feel like, but I feel like in terms of, I don't know how to classify your book, which I love by the way, but it, it's, it feels like the much cooler version of what you just described, which <laughs> is like the much more like hipper, like very postmodern in a good way, way into that, which is like a sprawling epic mm-hmm. journey. Yeah. With fantastical elements that are really rooted in like something very specific and mm-hmm. that hasn't been done before. Right. You know, like, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it's so scary launching something where you're like, this is about the world and how big and expansive it is and be like, but I don't know if it's going to be fucking three issues. Like I don't, it's. Right. As soon as you do that, because I think in both books, both in Briar and what's the furthest place, it's like the world has ended sort yeah. of right. Like the, what was has collapsed. Yeah. But like in mine, there's like, there's kind of some, there's some fences that you recognize where you're like, well, there was a princess in yeah. yours. Like we have to learn everything. There's like yeah. kind of a learning curve of how it all functions together. And like that element of chaos is so cool. Oh, you know? thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, uh, I remember early on in, in talking with Tyler about what we wanted to do. And I was like, I had this vision of like concentric circles where I was like, we start the book in a room mm-hmm. and then you go into a building and then you go out onto the block and then you go into like a few blocks out. And I was like, and the book just goes out and out and out. And he was like, and what happens at the end? I was like, it all comes back. in, yeah. And he was like, that's it. I was like, that's storytelling, man. Yeah, kind yeah. of. And, and, and then I, and then I had a point where I was like, what happens if we only get out this far? Like, what happens if we can yeah, only when you go stop to at the third circle and then you're done? Yeah. yeah. And then you're just like, well, we didn't contract it. We didn't, we didn't get a chance to show you the big things. And yeah, it's, it's a, uh, it's always a weird, uh, comics makes it very, you know, like there aren't a lot of models where you're like, yeah, it's, you live and die by, by every month. Like, you know, if, yeah, I mean, I guess TV used to be more like that, like, and yeah. it, right, where it's just you're in the it feels like you're in the 80s and 90s, your cast is in the middle of a sentence, and it just goes black, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it, you know, now it's like we ordered 10, and we'll show you 10. And then that's it. And, yeah. and then we'll decide pretty soon after if it's going to keep going. And now yeah. it's the orders are shorter, too, right? So I mean, yeah. TV is the same way where it's like, halt was 10 paper girls was eight. And then you know, I'm, I'm, I did this show that right before the strike that we that we turned in, it's with it's with Victor Laval, who writes Sabretooth sure, yeah. um, and Eve. Um, he's also a novelist. It's based on one of his books, but it's it's with AMC and it's six and it's all it is. It's a limited. So uh-huh. but they you know, it's it just continues to be more and more contained. Yeah. Um, you know, so it, it just it, it shrinks in terms of the size of what you're able to, to yeah. do. It's but uh, yeah, it it's it's 
I don't know that, that that kind of thing upsets me a lot to just be like the contraction of of the scope of what we can do in storytelling. Well, it's weird. I mean, because at a certain point, I mean, you know, I'm I'm happy that we I got to do this one, and I think Victor and I are proud of it, and we got some great writers. But again, they all are done. So if the show goes, especially after a strike, like yeah, they're not going to be there, right? The people sure. who wrote the show with us, so it's all on us. But but at the same time, it's like we felt the constraint of six. But then it's also done, and there it is. Right, and it's, yeah. but but um, but yeah. There's there's <laughs> sometimes it does get frustrating where you pitch something and they go, well, we only have this much money, so it needs to be twenty percent worse, you know. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. oh, wait a minute, like, can't we just do the full thing? Or yeah. no, let's actually cut ourselves off at the heel and um, see. And if we trip out of the gate, it's your fault, you know. And yeah. it's like, oh, okay. Um, you know, yeah. we'll we'll do a half issue of this character and see how it's received. And then a year from now, maybe we'll keep going. It's like, well, shit. At a certain point, you get so afraid of your own shadow financially that you're never getting out of the box. You yeah. Know, I was talking to a comic shop owner out in Ventura here at the signing, and, and he was saying, the minis are killing us. Mm-hmm. He was like, the miniseries are just killing us because people are like, well, it's, oh, it's like, what can I dig into? What am I showing up yeah. for? Yeah. You know, and obviously it's all kind of soft sounding yeah. little pop up restaurants and then being like, should we get a brick and mortar? You know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, should we uh, do 25 issues of Silver Surfer? Do yeah. we dare to dream? You know, I, like it's I, it's weird. I, I yeah, I, I worked in a comic shop before I was, uh, you know, when I was trying to break in, I took a job in a comic shop for a year to just sort of get the lay of the land. And, you know, I had a good day job and I quit it to work in a comic shop and. <laughs> You know, which is a fine day job, but it's yeah. I, I took a pay cut to to work at a comic shop, and I, I and I think about that a lot of just like how much people do this on read comics on muscle memory and reflex, and are like, oh, I, well, I come in every month to buy X Men or Saga or whatever it is, and you start taking those away and making them shorter and giving people a chance to get out, and it's just like it's not a statement on the industry or an assessment of the work; it's just literally like the way people consume comics it's is like human, yeah it's human psychology it is yeah yeah and it's, it's weird it, yeah it's scary and like i don't know i'm i'm doing it doing an ongoing book is like both invigorating and terrifying because you're like well i hope they keep coming back i hope and like there's 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 something really fun about that but also it's the balance of not knowing if they will i guess that makes it terrifying every single month that you make it it's, but it's so weird and frustrating too especially after hearing all the stories that writers have told on here of like you hear people be like oh this like comic run sucks or they fucked up the end of it or whatever and it's like well what you don't know is that the run got cut in half and they had to write the yeah. whole thing out of order and they had yeah. to like, <laughs> and like and like and it's just like and people don't even think about it they're just like oh this writer it's, it's up. like set itself up to be so paradoxical in certain ways where it's like you have it's now so it's all confined to the direct market, right? Mm-hmm. So you're like you're talking about like super readers of comics, yeah. right? People who come in there, and then, and at the same time, I think there was a lot of hand wringing over barrier to entry, where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, Spider Man issue six eighty five. Do I need to read issues one through six eighty four before <laughs> yeah. I jump in? And it's there's also like a, a tendency in comics now towards like real hyper serialization, which is where TV has also gone, right? Mm-hmm. Which is like. I have no idea what's going on, right? Like yeah. that literally can be the feeling, whether it's issue two or 685. Like to the point where like there was a, a editor recently like at Marvel that sent an email out that was like, 
talking about the con- contained story structure, like yeah. reminding everybody of like it's a satisfying beginning, you know, middle and end with some some note of change in there that you can wrap your head around and is satisfying yeah. within 20 pages. So like that. And then yeah to the point where it, we, you just do we're, well it's only four <laughs> you still pick up issue three and go well i don't <laughs> yeah, yeah. one and two no and then, and then the the idea of a number one loses its luster where like i'm you know i'm sure as a writer like matt like you, you you're like oh i get to number one's out this month but there's so many people that go like ah yeah another number one <laughs> yeah jeez yeah i mean yeah. i wrote i wrote three issues of the last joker run and then they were like do you want to do the, do you want to take over the book? And I was like, yeah. And they were like new number one. And I was like, it's going to be pretty hard for me to bang the drum about a new number one. When I just wrote three issues, when I wrote, you know, 10 and 12, negative three, two and one. Yeah. But at the same time, at the same time, you know, when I was, when I early on in my days at Marvel, I took over astonishing X-Men from Charles soul. And I went to a retailer summit and like talked to them. And I was like, Oh, you know, I'm taking over astonishing X-Men. And they were like, don't let them renumber it. Like that book is doing well. Let Mm -hmm. that like, keep the numbering going. We need legacy titles. And so I like threw as much weight, which was not very much at Marvel's I could. And I was like, let me just do number 13. Like, let me be issue 13. Can we just please do that? Just put a like start of a new arc and promote it. But like, let me do that. And, uh, and we, and we did it. And, uh, didn't go great. Did not go great. Uh, um, like there was a, there was a slight sales bump from the marketing, and I remember just talking to the sales department of Marvel, and they were like, "Yeah, good job, eight percent." It really is that show up for that, right? And it's like, like, like. But then again, when I go into the store, sometimes I see stuff where like, like Captain Marvel hit fifty, right, yeah. and then it's going to reboot. But it's like, you look at a number and go fifty, like in twenty twenty three, like holy shit, you know, yeah. like wow. Um, but again, some people go like, well, that's so far down the road. How do I? Yeah. You know, so it's 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 the, the giant, the giant font number one. You know, <laughs> we love a number one. We love we, we you love know what they should one. be is all issues should just be number one. Yeah. yeah. Just be number mm-hmm. one. So one like, shot. Yeah, exactly. Like 25 number ones. Yeah. In an yeah. Iron Man run. Um, yeah. And you just give them a subtitle. Everyone gets a subtitle. <laughs> and exactly. Yeah. What's the subtitle of this going to be? I'm like, <laughs> yeah. why can't it just be? Iron no, Man. It should be it should be number six. Iron Man one. Iron Man, Iron number, Man six, one. Yeah. one. Iron number six. Issue one. I'm sort of fascinated by uh, uh cards on the table and and I you know I love the original series, uh I love the movies, but I, I sort yeah, of get, yeah. I sort of get lost after that. Sure. Uh the the scale <laughs> and scope of the amount of Star Trek that is coming out now. Mm-hmm. is so intense and i say this as like a, a diehard star wars fan and a sure. marvel and dc nerd i i i like people like no this is the show to watch and like oh this and then the books are doing the same thing like you and and colin and jackson and you guys are doing like so much star trek and it's all tied together and it's intense uh is that fun is that cool? Is that cool? <laughs> it's, it's I will say it's it's fun for me. Like I love it, and it's funny to go. It, it's for a couple reasons. Like so, you know, Heather Antos really kind of masterminded this, which is like sure. Star Trek books, with some of which were pretty great, were really mm-hmm. kind of like all over the place forever, right? Like yeah. starting all the way back to like the Gold Key issues, which are kind of my favorite, which is 
they're running from some random monster, <laughs> right? Which like it's the cover that makes you buy it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it had like really had nothing to do with like how it worked as a series, but like um Heather wanted to start a it was literally like the the way they launched that that thing was was it's called Star Trek No Colon. Like that was the thing. And we were talking about subtitles. It was like it's just Star Trek. And and Jackson and Colin put that together as it's kind of, it, it's almost like it's like fantasy baseball for Star Trek, where it's like <laughs> what's a time they found a time period where they could kind of get in some of the more aged characters, some of the newer characters, tap into things mm. and and get everybody together, you know, but still build it with the same kind of containers you're used to in Star Trek, which is like here's the ship, here's the crew, here's the thing, right? Like yeah. and and then Heather had them go off and say like, okay, well, what is, cause she had done this at Marvel, right? Which with star Wars, where it's just called star Wars. Sure. It's like, what is the Darth Vader to star Wars? Mm-hmm. And so it was, what's the more, what's the darker kind of grayer area, you know, uh, kind of more rogue element book. And that, and they, they are the ones that actually pitched the idea of star Trek defiant. I built it out as what it was and kind of came up with mm-hmm. the, the dirty dozen of it all and no uniforms and all of that stuff. But it was more of the the first companion book. So that's ground floor. And so to be on the ground floor of that, you know, we're talking about like miniseries and, and, and numbers stopping at four or whatever. It's not, it's not like what's nice is IDW and Paramount have said like, we're building, we're committed to this. Yeah. And it does feel rare. And I don't know who's reading it, (laughs) but I mean, I hope some people like, I think (laughs) Star Trek people, I think would love it. Like if they haven't found it yet. Right. Like, I am the diehard Star Trek person. I wrote some Star Wars last year, which was really fun too. Um, but to land kind of in the cockpit chair or something like this feels great because it's not like um, sell the world on four issues, you know? Like there's a, there's, they, they came to me and they're like, this is a two year commitment already. Like in that. Oh, wow. And from there, it's like there, are, you know, and I, we have to build it carefully and I, you know, who knows where it's going to go. And and there are still some, but even like Mark Guggenheim is doing some like motion picture books over here. That's kind of right. cool, mm-hmm. but they are tangentially connected, like in ways you don't need to read sure. if you don't want to, but you can, and that it'll be more a more enriching experience. If you want to just put all Star Trek titles on your pull list, eventually pretty soon, they're going to all kind of speak to each other, mm-hmm. which is really fun. Yeah. For sure. Um, I've never gotten to do like, I was, I mean, at Marvel, I was always like, when I was at the summits, which was just during the pandemic, so they were Zoom, so they were, yeah. you know, in, insane. But like, I'm not driving anything because I'm the new guy, and also like, Hickman is is brainchilding things, and like, yeah, yeah. is over here doing this, and Kelly has this going on, and Saladin's gonna go do that, and they're gonna, and here's our event, and how do we plug in? I mean, I remember when I first like the first event I was ever a part of was um, dark web uh-huh. and, or no, not dark web. Sorry. What was the one King in black? So Donnie, yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Sam, like, yeah. and, and, and I was like, man, Iron Man is kind of taking place during all this crazy stuff that's going to happen on the earth where like symbionts are taking over the earth and there's no sun. And like, we got, I got to <laughs> like change all this stuff in Iron Man. And I went to Tom and said this and, and Tom was like, no, yeah, <laughs> don't yeah. do that. He was like, just do your story. Like it can take place over four days before a King in black starts. It's fine. Yeah, like, yeah. The continue- and all I ended up doing. And I, I was, I did like that. I did a Christmas issue with Dr. Doom and Iron Man where they mm-hmm. fight a symbiote Santa. And it was like, cause I found out that it was coming in December and I was like, I'll just do this one shot. That'll bridge our books and, or my books. 
and do that. But like, God, I forgot about that. That was great. <laughs> and I, I had fun writing that. I don't to this day. I don't know if like, I didn't. I, I hope I played ball enough for like. Did yeah, yeah. I was like, what if it's Santa? You know, like I didn't. It wasn't glitter. <laughs> like, what is you know like this huge beautiful tapestry thing that Donnie was weaving? But like, but you know, and sometimes with the big crossovers, like everything becomes really siloed. Especially now, yeah, when no, yeah. no one's in person. They're not sitting. You're not yeah, sitting there yeah. for four days going, what if? So you're just playing with your corner of the universe. With yeah. Star Trek, we're building it from the ground up. So the crossover is a crossover, and like. We happen to live in the same city so we can get together at IDW and break the stuff. And like we get out of that, out of that comes an idea for this mini series that will plug in and let's go get this writer to do that. Or maybe I'll do it or bring it in over here. And mm-hmm. um, it's really fun to be able to do that because it just seems so few and far between. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it, it, it's as an outsider, I'm like both. Je- incredibly jealous of like both the creativity and like how fun it is to have that connectivity and the stuff. And also as a, a, an outsider fan, I'm like, man, it would be like cool to be into all this stuff and, and, yeah, be, and I, be able to like consume all this. Like I, I, I'm the person who plugs into start. Cause again, Star Trek, I, I don't know, like the comics, it has, it has a different reputation than star Wars in the comic space hopefully we can build it up but like it is such a niche thing you know in the space obviously you're right like we're being bombarded with tv shows left and right because it almost feels like they're trying to catch up you know what i mean where it's like in star trek this and star trek that and and i think that that's great and also um can be overwhelming you know but but this thing over at idw it feels like it feels like what i remember comics being and i'm we're doing it. Like, yeah. and it, it's like, and I got to, I'm lucky enough to have for Jackson and Colin is like, they wanted to write both books and Heather said, no. And they said, well, what about Chris? <laughs> so I got to be there at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And so it feels like what it's supposed to be. Um, at least it, in my middle schooler mind, when I was, you know, <laughs> reading shit in the early nineties, you know, it's yeah. like, and I don't know how long it'll, who knows. Right. I mean, the sky is falling in so many different ways that it's like, how long can this be? It doesn't seem possible. You know, I'm like, what, you know, but we're, we're yeah. still going. So, you know, well, and they keep saying, yeah, let's do it. So. Well, that's awesome. And, yeah. and all the stuff you've been working on uh, has been amazing. And Thank it's you. very, it's very exciting to see and, and get to read all this stuff. And I'm, I'm looking forward to more Briar and, and I will yeah. probably read your Star Trek book just because I, I, I'm excited about it, even though it'll feel <laughs> like it's written in another language and be. Well, that's what I think it does. I mean, I gotta be honest. Like my, I was telling my wife the other day, cause I'm, I'm, we're, I'm past the crossover now. The crossover, mm-hmm. I think is pretty, I think the crossover is like a great place for people to jump in. Cause it's uh-huh. crazy. Yeah. It's like, oh, all the Kling, like a Klingon cult is just destroying the galaxy. And it's like, that's fun. I, I can get that. Yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'm past that now back in my own book and I'm, I'm writing these kind of little emotional parables, but I'm using, I'm using like, you know, young Matt Frewer from season two of next generation. You know, like, <laughs> I told my wife, like, I feel like I'm doing the Lord's work, but no one is going to be able to understand. Anything like like, it's so unapproachable. Yeah. You know, in that Star Trek way where you're like, what are you even saying? You know yeah. what I mean? And I, I, I don't know, but yeah, I'm reading, so I'm reading. We're out there. Good. <laughs> Good. Good. Um, well, I wanted to thank you for coming on the show and taking the time to hang out with us. This was super fun. Thank you. Yeah, Absolutely. Fun. Thanks so much.
And that brings us to the end of part two of our discussion with Christopher Cantwell. Make sure to check out Star Trek Defiant, Briar, and Thanos, as well as everything else he's working on. To get the latest episodes of this podcast, as well as news, giveaways, and even comics delivered straight to your inbox, go to ashcanpress.com and sign up for the newsletter. We'll be back next week with another wonderful guest. And in the meantime, you can write to us at ideasdontbleedpod at gmail.com or tweet to Matthew Rosenberg at ashcanpress on Twitter, me at Tales to Astonish, or Griffin at Griff Sheridan. We'll include some of your correspondence on the show, and we'd love to hear what you have to say. And big thanks to Summer People for our theme song, Where's the Poison? Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye.